Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. Support for this podcast is also provided by the PDX Executive Assembly, a membership of leaders from Portland companies, led by executives from the Trailblazers, Adidas, Yakima, and more, Assembly's curated cohorts of executives serve to accelerate leadership development and build a meaningful network of peers, free from press and sales solicitation. Join now at pdxexecutiveassembly.com. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast a show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I think, you know, for me personally, I've seen this rise of all the life sciences startups here in our region, and I'm really, you know, excited to have our next guest, Tobin Zolman, who's the founder of Kivo on the podcast. Hey, Tobin, welcome. Hi, thanks. So I think a good place to start, I always love just to get right into it and like, tell us a little bit about Kivo. What do you do and kind of the origin story of it? Yeah, so Kivo provides uh, regulatory information management software for life science companies. Um, I guess kind of our origin story is uh, I, I spent a stint in the early part of my career building software for life sciences companies, uh, largely regulatory publishing software, and made an intentional decision to, to leave that space and uh, go do you know, other venture-backed startups, largely because I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of innovation happening. So about a year ago, a former colleague of mine reached out uh, and they were they had, they're a regulatory consulting company, uh, Facet Life Sciences, and they had kind of organically grown some uh, software that they were using in-house and then ultimately productized. And mm. we're at a bit of a crossroads, both, I think, in terms of market and technical architecture on where to take it. And so I agreed to, to help do some analysis on that front, but it was very clear I was never going to come back into life sciences. <laughs> and, you know, I think what I found when I, when I got back into it was, A, there was a really interesting market opportunity uh, happening in life sciences over the past 10 years or so. The way drugs are getting developed has changed pretty dramatically. And about mm. 70% of the drug development pipeline right now is uh, being run by emerging companies. So these are small pharmaceutical companies bringing their first drug to market. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of infrastructure and uh, they are not kind of building and scaling those companies like they used to. So these are companies with uh, that are distributed, leveraging lots of partners and service bureaus to get the work done. And so all of the traditional software that was in the market uh, 10 years ago and is still on the market, mm-hmm. didn't really align both in terms of like complexity and price point uh, okay. for these companies. And, you know, when they were 
uh, approaching their what's called an IND investigation of a new drug uh, submission to the FDA. When they were approaching those submissions, the the effort to be compliant with regulation on the software side was frankly just more than they could bite off. Mm. And so I, I think that trend was super interesting to me. And kind of the the other side of that coin, I think, was just architecturally so much has changed with with cloud computing uh, development tools over the past decade that I felt like there was a real opportunity to take kind of best practices from uh, other startups that that I've been involved in over the past ten years and apply kind of best practices for enterprise SaaS development yeah. back into this space and re-architect that product, go after this kind of emerging area uh, of the market and really do something unique and interesting. And so uh, fast forward, you know, six months or so after saying there was no way I was ever going to go back into the space. (laughs) And uh, we started working on spinning the product out, formed Kivo as a a new entity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started bringing in uh, new staff and we, we just literally built the company uh, and the product uh, from the ground up, and yeah, announced Kivo in January, launched the new platform in March, and then announced our seed round in April. So it's yeah. been uh, a fast year with a lot of change. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it was that new. I, I knew kind of reading a little bit about it. It was a little bit of a spin out. If, if, I don't know if that's yeah. the right way to position it, but just yeah, to kind of go totally. go go back and double click on kind of the, uh, the the process of bringing new drugs to market and just that whole field, because I mentioned to you before we started recording, we just had a, a different life science company on the podcast, Lazarus 3D. And it just, just seems like tons of opportunity for, um, like you said, merging new s- startups. Hopefully that process is crumbling down a little bit of all <laughs> the bureaucracy. And so the, I mean, it sounds like the timing's right. I don't know if this would have worked five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, hopefully the market's a little more friendly to kind of startups like yourself or? Yeah, I think what I would say is, you know, that the, the regulation landscape hasn't fundamentally changed. Okay. I mean, the the uh, the approaches to doing submissions, uh, <clears throat> the regulation on how you need to manage those has has evolved, but not changed dramatically since the early 2000s. I think what is is new and different is the way that you can solve those challenges with cloud-based tools gives us some really unique ways to uh, offer software solutions that meet uh, regulatory requirements, but take a lot of the IT and administrative burden off of drug development companies, puts it on us, but you know, even compared to companies and products that were formed, you know, five to 10 years ago, there's a lot of things that, that we're able to do. That's just, that's very different. I mean, I think a great example is, you know, virtually every customer we've, we've talked to since we launched that was in a, you know, purchase process with existing vendors. They were looking at implementation timeframes that typically were around six months we're taking our customers live from signing the contract to training the very last user in two to four weeks. And so (laughs) it's just a fundamentally different scale. And if you're trying to get a a drug to market, that time is huge. Uh, 
the average new drug generates about $30 million a month in revenue. So wow. cutting, you know, significant numbers of weeks or months out of that time frame is just a massive ROI uh, for wow. these companies. Yeah, we, we feel like we've kind of found the right balance of product complexity and architecture to unlock a lot of value uh, very quickly for for uh, drug development companies. That's great. Thanks for walking us through that. And um, just to get back to the funding, I think you raised $3 million in your seed. Is we that did. Correct? Okay. Yep. I want to make sure yep. I get that right. <laughs> and this is, I think I read something you said, this is very much an Oregon funding kind of story. And you're a little, little bit of a, of a startup veteran from here. So tell me about, because there's always been a knock. I t- you know, a lot of people talk about it, just getting funding from within Oregon can sometimes be tough, uh, depending on what it is. So love for you to just walk us through that. Yeah, I think, you know, I, so I moved from the, the East Coast to Portland, I guess, back in 2008. And okay. since then, I've done you know, a handful of startups uh, either that I've founded or, or been part of leadership on here in Portland raised, you know, raised considerable funds. Some of that was was Oregon-based. The, the majority was not. Some from Seattle, some from the Bay. I, You know, I think what, what's interesting to me is uh, at least since, since I've been in town, <clears throat> you know, for what, I guess, 12 plus years, a dozen yeah. years now, there have been several cohorts of technology companies that have kind of grown, exited. Folks from those have founded new companies, et cetera. When I first came to, to Oregon, you know, Jive was kind of the, uh, the, uh, the major success story. And then that spun out, or not spun out, but spawned really mm. a host of other uh, startups. There was, you know, a cohort of, of Urban Airship and uh, I was part of cloudability in the early days. Um, and so there's been these waves. And I think with every wave that has generated a successful exit, it has put uh, you know a new cohort of investors uh, here in the local community. And uh, every time that happens, it you know increases the opportunity for for capital to to stay local. And I think, you know, on the investment side, uh, we've seen kind of cohorts of success there as well. Yeah, OVF, Oregon Venture Fund, co-led our round. And if you kind of look at their evolution uh, over the past decade as well, you know, you you see the amount uh, uh, that they have in their fund, the amount they're putting into companies, the amount they have available to follow on in future rounds, just continuing to increase. So I feel like, you know, for Oregon's kind of, hitting that inflection point where there's enough capital, enough history of uh, successful exits for for new companies like Kivo to be able to tap into that and be able to to raise legitimate funds, hire talent locally, and really be able to build and scale a business here without without having to go to the Bay, Seattle, or anywhere else to, to kind of get that money, uh, which personally, I think is great. And, you know, culturally, I enjoy working with local investors. You know, a lot of these folks uh, on the investment side are, are people I've worked with and for, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the past uh, entrepreneurs that, that, you know, I was connected to at, at prior companies. So on that side, it, it feels incredibly supportive and 
uh, we're we're excited to be part of it, and I think excited we were able to to raise money locally and in the way that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that, and it's um, I like how you you kind of positioned it with the cohorts. And they become investors, right? This waves of folks. So we'll talk, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to do with this funding? Um, What are some of the plans that you can share? I'm I'm sure you're looking for talent, hiring folks, but maybe some other things. Yeah, I think um, I I would kind of put, put our focus in a couple of areas with, with the funding. The first obviously is just, you know, hiring talent. That's kind of the, the, uh, the biggest thing for us is attracting folks, especially on the engineering and sales side. You know, we, we have a product that is, is new, but has an eight year history in market. So there's, there's real revenue and, and real momentum there. There's a level of maturity that is great, but we simply need more people in yeah. all the areas to, to, to capitalize on that. I think the other area though, that, that we can leverage. Uh, those hires into is is really to increase the depth and breadth of the product. Um, you know, right now the the feature set is is fairly focused on you know specific areas in the regulatory process. It's not a big stretch for us technically to expand that into you know other portions of the drug development process, whether that's on the clinical side mm-hmm. um, or or the quality side. And so I think those are areas where we're looking to accelerate what we're doing with the product, which, uh, you know, obviously increases opportunity and revenue for us. Um, But really it all comes down to getting talented folks um, into seats so that we can execute on all of that, that work and vision. So, yeah. And is your team kind of distributed right now, mainly in Portland or, I mean, that's changed. Everybody's trying to figure that out a little bit, I guess. I mean, it opens up an opportunity, but. Yeah, we're 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 pretty much all based locally. Uh, we've got, I, I guess, five or six folks local, uh, one on the East Coast and in the Boston area. I think you know our our primary goal is to to hire locally as much as we can. Okay. Um, I think that's just kind of the uh, the culture and vibe I'd like to have in the company. But realistically, with life sciences, you know, there are absolutely hubs of activity around the country, and so I, you know, we'll be we'll be hiring into those hubs pretty, pretty quickly. But I think on, you know, some of the core areas, you know, engineering, marketing, stuff like that, it's tough to be FaceTime. Um, so the, the more we can have folks local, I think, uh, the, you know, the happier we'll be, but even with kind of our local crew, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, we're, we're, we're transitioning from seeing everybody over zoom to, to working Mm -hmm. in the office a few days a week together and, that's been been a nice transition. So uh, it'll be nice <laughs> as the world yeah. kind of uh, sticks their head up a little bit and comes out of out of uh, working from home. I know, and it's a, it's a transition, but it is. I think from what yeah. I'm hearing, people are like sometimes kind of resistant to doing that, uh, even if it's two or three days a week, and then they're they're loving it. Like they yeah. realize that's been missing. So you talked about these hubs. I'm assuming like Boston area is one of them. What are some of the others? And then let's talk about kind of maybe Portland, Southwest Washington has a rising kind of life sciences. I don't want to call it a hub just yet, but uh, yeah, um, community. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that there's quite a few around the country and the number definitely are increasing, but Boston, Cambridge area, Jersey into uh, into Philly, Research Triangle Park outside of Chicago, 
some stuff in Southern California, uh, around Stanford and the Bay. Uh, so definitely traditional hotbeds of, of drug development. A lot of those tied into research institutions that kind of, you know, drive the research that, that spawns the companies. But I've been pleasantly surprised as well, I think, how much activity there is in Oregon. When I was, you know, in the market uh, 15 years ago, uh, and first moved to Portland, there was there was very little activity out here, uh, and I split most of my time between offices in the Bay and and New Jersey. And uh, since we started Kivo, and you know, are getting introduced to uh, other companies in the area through through investors and, and our network, as well as just pursuing sales. There's yeah, there's a healthy little yeah. uh, wave that's happening in Oregon, which is cool to see. I think it's also interesting to to see a lot of these companies have a bit of a you know unique spin. You know, they're on the tech side. We see a lot of Oregon companies that are you know kind of on the the infrastructure side of uh, software startups or you know developer tools things like like puppet right. or even you know cloudability in, in some respects on that side and you kind of see a similar uh approach on in life science companies mm. where there are a lot of platform players that may be doing some drug development but are also providing tools and, and platforms for others to do development on uh, so it's interesting to kind of see that uh, as kind of a unique Portland spin on stuff, just like we have our unique Portland spin on on yeah. tech startups. Great, Tobin. Well, I appreciate that. I want to get into a little bit of you're a pretty s- seasoned, I guess, startup person, I would say. Uh, you've been through a lot of cycles. I feel like we're entering, you know, e- economically and fundraising, maybe a little different ride what it's been the past few years. Uh, what's your advice maybe to other founders or just how are you looking at that as far as fundraising and not to get too nerdy about valuations and all that, but it does, things are changing and maybe from, you know, investor perspectives, uh, that's changing too. So, yeah, it's interesting. I I mean, I feel like fundraising always goes through cycles where, you know, you, you see folks who are getting just astronomical valuations and money seems to be flowing and then, Mm -hmm investors kind of tighten their purse strings a little bit. Um, certainly, I think coming out of COVID, there were an awful lot of venture firms that <clears throat> needed to put money to work. Uh, just the pace of uh, investment in the the early part of COVID, at least, you know, was significantly reduced. And so they kind of had to to catch up and put that money to work, which I think saw you know, had the effect that you would expect, big valuations, lots of money pouring in, et cetera. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't know. It, that's great, you know, f- for for companies that were able to secure that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just fundamentally, I feel like securing investment is always a bit of a, a game, so to speak. And, you know, you can, you can put your focus and, and the fundraising side and trying to to play games with with valuations and raising huge war chests, I guess I'm I'm maybe more of a pragmatist or or just my interest is more on shipping products. So mm-hmm. you know I just kind of always revert back to if you have a legitimate business in a real market, fundraising isn't going to be the challenge. 
Mm. And, you know, I don't know with Kivo, we are looking to necessarily go through tons of rounds of investments. And um, I think there's an opportunity and other players in this space historically have been able to build meaningful businesses without, you know, raising $250 million D rounds. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think we tried to right size how much we, how much we raised based on what we actually needed to, to get the business to kind of the next meaningful milestone. I think we were able to do that and, and kind of keep investment levels and dilution and everything to a spot that, that made Mm -hmm. a lot of sense and uh, not necessarily go pursue crazy valuations or, or huge war chests. So, you know, I guess my advice to, to folks is always kind of focus on the fundamentals. If it's a, a, a real business with a real market, people are going to notice that and want to want to be part of it. And I, I think that's what we found with with our fundraising is, you know, it, it, it wasn't a hard story to tell. It's a it's a real product with existing mm-hmm. customers uh, in a really clearly defined market. Uh, we've got solid momentum that's an easy story to tell. Um, yeah. and we were able to, to, I think, you know, get investment relatively quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and get back to, to building the company instead of, uh, you know, doing pitches, which was nice. Yeah, no, was, I think it's great advice. And I do think, uh, in the next probably eight to 12 months, uh, you know, people have to have a real business. There's a lot of startups that raise yeah. money that, uh, not really there. And unfortunately that might be tough times that we'll, we'll see. Um, well, Tobin, thanks for hopping on and just giving us an overview of the company and where can uh, folks learn more about the company? You, I know you're hiring. So if, uh, any folks can, you know, learn about that. Yeah. Kivo.io, K-I-V-O.io is our website. Uh, we've got openings listed there. If anybody uh, feels like they're a fit, we would absolutely love to talk to them. Great. Thanks so much, Tobin. Yeah, thank you. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.